0: Okay, well, it is good to be here this morning and uh, I really thank you for the invitation to come and speak. You know, you should actually feel quite special uh, because this is my first message after having finished my sabbatical. I was off of church responsibilities from May until November, so this is the first time I've preached since then. Uh, I was like any good leader when uh, difficulties came, when this whole COVID thing started, I bailed, and so I figured I would leave it for our uh, church elders to deal with all that. Uh, No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, It was planned well ahead of time, but what a year it has been, and what a year it still is. It's been uh, quite a crazy year, and uh, in my time off, I really have felt uh, compassion for anybody in positions of leadership uh, because of all the tough decisions that they've had to make with all the changing restrictions and everything, and it's, it's pretty crazy. So it's, it's been a pretty volatile year. I've seen families get into heated arguments over this whole thing. I've seen churches split. And, uh, and my little town of Almer has experienced some crazy things as well. So, but you know, God is still good, and uh, we need to trust in him and set our hope in him. Pastor Jake had emailed me in the summertime asking if I'd be willing to preach here today. And uh, often when I preach at, a, at another church... I just uh, use a message that I preached at my home church. A little bit of a confession there. Uh, but Jake had asked me if I'd be willing to speak on, on what your planned uh, theme was, which is called to freedom, and the planned uh, passage of John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. Usually I'm quite hesitant to do that because I always fear there's a big risk, you know, when you come to, to a church and you preach on what they're, a series that they're doing because there's always the risk that you're going to contradict what the pastor has been saying, and you'll take it to a totally different direction. So, I was a little bit scared of that, but uh, here I am, and I'm going to be preaching today on John chapter eight, verses 31 through 47. So you can open up your Bibles to that passage, and I trust and hope that there will be uh, unity in this message. Uh, in a freedom, of course, is a very popular topic. And uh, it's one that our current culture seems to have a very tense relationship with. Um, It seems as though people struggle to know what exactly freedom is. What does it mean? And even though that's true, it doesn't prevent people from being very passionate about defending and fighting for what their idea of freedom is. Uh, With the ever-present political tensions that you have in the U.S. this year, uh, some feel very strongly that the freedom of democracy itself is on the line. And then, of course, you have all the COVID uh, restrictions that are in place, and some feel that the government is overreaching and impinging on our rights to freedom. Uh, this was expressed a couple of weekends ago in Almer when some organizers planned what they called a freedom rally. And uh, I'm not, my intention here is not to pick sides in these things, but merely just to show how important freedom is to people. People take it very, very seriously. The general impression though that you get out there is that for most people freedom seems to be just an idea that I can do whatever I want. That there's no restrictions or no barriers, no obligations, I can just be free to pursue whatever it is that I want to do. But is that really freedom? What comes to your mind when you think of freedom? What is it? Where can we find it? How can we find it? Well, I believe it's our job as Christians to understand what the Bible says and to understand what Jesus says about this topic, about freedom. And, and this is the case regardless of if, if it fits with our current culture, uh, what they're saying. And so in the passage that we're looking at today in John chapter 8, Jesus actually addresses freedom head-on. And it's like Jesus is our professor and he's giving us a crash course in freedom, which is why I've uh, entitled my message Freedom 101. And so just so you can get uh, it in your head already, what the main point of my message is, the main point is that we all need to be set free from our enslavement to sin, and that freedom is only found, and that freedom is only found in Christ. There are at least three descriptions in this passage that describe where freedom is found. And you'll notice that these run quite contrary to our culture's idea of what freedom is, what you hear out there. These three things are, number one, freedom is found in being a disciple of Christ. Number two, Freedom is found in knowing the truth. And number three, freedom is found in belonging to God. So let's look at those individually. Firstly, freedom is found in being a disciple of Christ. If you look at verses 31 and 32, it says this. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus has been teaching some key truths about who he is about his identity in these previous verses and in the previous chapters in John. Now, he's been telling these Jews that he, he and his teaching are from God. He's been telling them that things like rivers of living water would flow out of anyone who believes in him. Uh, he's been saying that he can even forgive sins and even that he is the light of the world, among other things. And so what happened is that caused much division among the Jews. Many were angered at his teaching and but some believed. And so you had a division there. And Jesus says here to the Jews who had believed in him that if they held to his teachings, they are really his disciples and that they would know the truth and that the truth would set them free. It's interesting here that Jesus links together freedom and discipleship. You would not think that those two things would normally go together. It's the very opposite, of, opposite idea of many that freedom is just doing your own thing. Because being a disciple is willingly placing yourself under the authority of your teacher. And so Jesus describes it here as holding to his teaching. Holding to his teaching. Isn't that an interesting concept? Freedom is found in giving up on our own agendas and submitting to someone else's, namely Jesus. And after Jesus says this, the tone changes quite quickly in this conversation. The ones that he's addressing, they become quite defensive, and what's really in their hearts starts to show. As we can see in verse 33, it says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And so they challenge Jesus' call to freedom by saying they've never not been free. They've never been slaves of anyone. So what is he talking about? And this is clearly, clearly a, a defensive response, and it's also not true, which we'll look at later. Uh, it's just very interesting how this conversation proceeds from here and ends up in Jesus sharply rebuking them. It's, inter- it's very interesting because it seems like he's addressing the Jews who had believed in him. So why is it that they are reacting this way? Now it is possible that the they in this in verse 33 refers to the non-believing Jews that were present. This would seem to make more sense in light of the fact that um, a few verses down uh, they want to kill him. So that doesn't quite make sense but the way it's worded here seems to point to the fact that Jesus is addressing those who have believed in him and that now what he's doing, he's challenging their belief to see if it's genuine or superficial. And Jesus did say, after all, that there would be different reactions to his teaching. Some would receive it and some would not. Uh, The parable of the sower and the seed, for an example, points uh, points to some who received the message with joy, but then later on we find out that their receiving was not really genuine and their faith was dead and they turned away. Regardless of exactly who Jesus is addressing here, uh, a look into commish, common Jewish beliefs at the time gives us a big clue as to why they start getting so defensive here. And it's a theme that runs throughout the Gospels. The Jews find his teaching so offensive because, of much, because much of what he says makes him out to be equal with God, which for them was utterly blasphemous. In Judaism, it was the study of the law that was a key component to the freedom of God's people. The law, which was a large part of their scriptures, was the ultimate guide for life. And here, Jesus is claiming for his teaching that which they recognize as true only of God's teaching. This was a subtle claim, not so subtle claim actually, by Jesus of his divinity, and they had a very hard time swallowing it. Their eyes weren't open to, the, to see what their scriptures had pointed to all along. For example, a few chapters earlier in, in John chapter 5 verses 39 through 40, Jesus says to the Jewish leaders, he says you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. And so they missed the mark. They missed the savior. The very one that could give them give to them what they so diligently were looking for. And so the question I want to ask of us here today, have we missed the mark? Have we missed the mark? In our search for freedom, have we missed the mark? Do we believe Jesus here? Do we believe uh, that what he's saying is true? Do we trust him? Do we believe that our freedom is found in being his disciple, in holding to his teachings? Or are we looking elsewhere? That's a question that we all need to ask ourselves. Where are we looking for our freedom? The call here for us is to trust in Jesus and willingly come under his authority and holding to his teachings and walking in the freedom that that brings. So freedom is found in being a disciple of Christ. Secondly, freedom is found in knowing the truth. Just a word of caution before we proceed with the next few verses. Uh, This passage and others in the Bible have been used to promote anti-Semitism. That is a strong bias or even a hatred uh, towards the Jews. And that is a grave misunderstanding of the Bible's story, however. Yes, by and large, the Jews have rejected the Messiah, but the reason for some of the harsh judgments upon them is not that they are of less worth or value than others, or it's not like they're worse than others, but rather it's because of the principle that to whom much is given, much will be expected. Our response to the Jewish rejection of the Messiah should never be antagonistic or arrogant, but should rather be like the Apostle Paul, who in Romans 9 compares Israel to a broken-off tree branch and to us Gentiles as a grafted-in Olive shoot. He says this in Romans 9, verses 19 through 21. He says, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. That's a pretty harsh statement. Uh, But we need to realize there is no favoritism with God. We should, as the passage says, not be arrogant, but tremble and stand by faith. In Christ, I think that was just an important thing to say before we get into the, to the rest of this passage here. So back to our, our passage and our second point that freedom is found in knowing the truth. Let's look at verses 33 again, 33 through 36. It says this, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here's the thing about talking about freedom. As soon as we talk about freedom, it implies that there is some kind of captivity. There's something that we need to be set free from. And I think that we all, in some sense, realize that something is not right with our lives. We need to be set free from something. But we are blind as to what kind of freedom we are primarily in need of. That's the issue with the Jews here that Jesus is talking to. When they say they have never been slaves of anyone, they're referring to their nation of Israel. Warren Wearsby describes the problem here. He says, Their claim that Abraham's descendants had never been in bondage was certainly a false one that was refuted by the very record in the Old Testament scriptures. The Jews had been enslaved by seven mighty nations, as recorded in the book of Judges. The ten northern tribes had been carried away captive by Assyria, and the two southern tribes had gone into 70 years of captivity in Babylon, and at that very hour, the Jews were under the iron heel of Rome. How difficult it is for proud religious people to admit their failings and their needs. So this was their problem. They didn't see themselves as being in captivity. They were blind to their need, but even more importantly, to the type of freedom that Jesus was referring to. And it was a different type of freedom than they were thinking. They were thinking of national freedom, they were thinking of freedom from oppression from other nations. Jesus was talking about a deeper inner freedom that is a freedom from sin, as is clear in what Jesus says in verse 34 when he says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so their foremost captivity problem had to do with sin and not the threat of being overcome by other nations. This is our main problem as well. This is everybody's main problem. He is not saying, Jesus, when Jesus says uh, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, he's not saying that some sin and, and some don't. But rather, he's thang, saying that all sin and are slaves to it. It's similar to when he says uh, it's, not, it's not those who are well who need a physician, but it's those who are sick. He's not saying that some are well and some are not. He's saying that if you don't realize that you're sick, you'll never come to him for salvation. You'll never come to him to be set free. And that's the message of the Bible. The Bible is clear throughout That we have all sinned, as obviously it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the inconvenient truth that we have to acknowledge if we want to be set free. It's so vital that we get this. I think especially now in our current climate that we're in, especially when we think of the, uh, the U.S. elections, which seem to be that the Canadians are very interested in, and in so many ways we're bound to that. I've never seen so many people place their hopes in their preferred politicians in my life. This election has been so very polarizing, and it's hard to tell what's going to happen from here. I don't think anybody really knows. Um, But to be honest, I'm pretty tired of hearing about it, (laughs) if I'm totally honest. Um, But it seems like one side is saying, you know, if only Trump can get in for another term, then. All our problems will go away. The insurgence of the liberal assault on our freedoms will be kept at bay. And then on the other hand, you have the people saying, you know, if only Biden can get in, then all this uh, America can move on past what they see as a toxic leader that promotes toxic ideologies. And, and so you have this huge rift in people. Now, my I'm not going to uh, be up here and, and, and promoting a certain uh, politician or anything. Like that. That would never be what I would want to do. And of course, it's not wrong for people to have the desire to see the leader who they, th- they see as the best option for their country to flourish be elected. That is not a wrong thing to do. But when people are placing their hopes so strongly in a political leader to come and save the day, it has crossed over into idolatry. And when we do that, we have, like these Jews, greatly misplaced our hope for freedom. And it's not only politics. There are as many wrong places to put our hope in for freedom as there are people. And so the question, again, that needs to be asked is, where are you placing your hopes? The truth that we need to know in order to be set free is that our primary problem is inside of us, not out there somewhere, not with politics, not with other people, it's inside of us. The problem is our sinful desires that makes us slaves to sin. Our sin causes us to be blind to our condition. We can't really see what the problem is. I was thinking of this actually the other day. Excuse me. About uh, 10 or 11 weeks ago, I started to get really tired, just tired and weaker. And I didn't know what was going on. I had recently started, uh, I I like working out, and I had recently started a bench press program, and I was coming along quite well. And then all of a sudden, this happened, and my strength just plummeted, and I didn't know what was going on. And so I thought, you know, this is just going to be a short thing. Maybe I'm just sick a little bit. I didn't know. And so I thought it would just go away, but it wasn't going away, nothing changed. And I distinctly remember, uh, like, a few weeks ago, I was thinking, I was questioning whether even there was something wrong. I was like, you know, maybe I've always been like this. Maybe there's not a wrong, maybe it's, maybe there's nothing wrong with me. And so, I, I kind of felt like I was not thinking straight. And I was totally disregarding the fact that my strength had gone down so much, and even if I did a, a light workout, I was extremely exhausted. It just didn't register. I was in a, in a fog. Well, I got my blood tested, the doctor wanted me to get my blood tested, and it turns out that my doctor says I have a hyperactive thyroid, it's causing this. <clears throat> now, I'm not sharing this for pity, uh, thyroid issues are fairly common and generally quite treatable, it's not usually a big deal. I share this because I think that's how it often is with sin. We're in it, and we can't see that we're in it. We can't see, like these Jews, we can't see that we're actually in captivity, there is a problem. I think that's the case with many of us, and it's like we're in a haze, we're in a fog, and we can't really think straight. And so we entertain the thought that there's no problem, and if there is a problem, it's definitely not with me. What we need to happen is we need to have Jesus to open up our eyes to see that we actually are in captivity, and we need to be set free. And that's, and Jesus, he is a great physician. He diagnoses our problem exactly what it is. And we need to be open to seeing that. And that is the positive side of the cure, is that there is a cure. sorry, the positive side of this truth is that there is a cure. And Jesus is that cure. That we have one who has come from God and promised us freedom. That's the cure. He offers us true freedom from what we really need to be set free from. And if we will agree with his diagnosis, turn to him in faith, he will set us free. And no matter what the current political situation is, or any other situation, we will be free indeed, as he says. Notice also that this knowing the truth is connected to our discipleship. If we look back at verses 31 and 32, he says, Then you will be my disciple, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is difficult for a lot of people, myself included. I always struggled with just wanting to know everything. I didn't want to commit to anything unless I knew everything. And so with Christianity, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things we don't understand. And so some people hesitate to to commit to Christ because of that. Now that's not really how it works, though. This passage seems to be saying that, that we commit to Christ. We know certain truths about him. We commit to him. And then as we commit to him, we, uh, the truth becomes more and more clear to us. And we walk in our freedom more and more. And I think that's the prescription here. So freedom is found in knowing the truth. And Jesus is the truth. The third place where freedom is found, and this one sounds the most contradictory, is in belonging to God. Freedom is found in belonging to God. Let's look at verses 42 through 47. It says this, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are un- unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies whoever belongs to god hears what god says the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to god and so this is where the conversation between jesus and these jews kind of comes to a head it was building up towards this the jews here have been claiming that they have never been enslaved to ever anyone and they say this with an air of arrogance and an entitlement clinging to their claim that they were descendants of Abraham. This brings on a debate between Jesus and these Jews about this whole issue of who they belong to, of who they belong to. They were saying, in light of their claim of being descendants of Abraham, that they belong to God. verse 39, that God is their father. Jesus, however, seems to make a distinction between the descendants of Abraham, which he says in verse 37, which he also acknowledges that they are, He makes a distinction between that and between the children of Abraham in verse 39, which he says they are not because of the fact that they want to kill him. He even goes so far as to call them children of the devil. They are not receiving Jesus' words, he says, because they do not belong to God. And so we see that their problem of sin was a result of who they belonged to. And because of their arrogance and blindness, they failed to see They did not belong to God like they thought they did. Freedom, Jesus is saying, does not come from natural descent. Sin makes slaves of us all. Freedom comes from him alone. This is especially hard for us to understand in our extremely individualistic culture. Ours is a culture where it seems that individual expression is the highest good, right? From Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way, all the way to Elsa's, let it go. And so many in between. It's all about me. It's all about my decisions, I live life my way, and nobody is going to tell me what to do. Freedom, though, according to this, is found when we realize that we are not our own. When we turn to Christ and place our faith in him, we belong to God. This is, after all, what Christ came to do. He came to redeem us and set us free from captivity so that we might belong to God. And it cost him his life to do it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, he says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So Christ gave himself to redeem us from captivity to sin so that we might belong to God. Reconciled to him so much so that we can call him our father. We are not our own and we shouldn't live like it. Freedom is found in belonging to God. In conclusion, we need to get it out of our heads that we can find freedom outside of Christ. I remember my coworker from some years ago, he had a raccoon problem at his place and he set up one of those uh, cage traps. He got the raccoon and he drives, he takes this raccoon and he drives it to a cliff. He puts the cage right at the edge of the cliff, opens the thing and the raccoon runs out and it, obviously drops to its probable death. I'm not sure if it died, I don't know. But I actually think that that's what it's like when we try to find freedom outside of Christ. It might seem like we're free for a little while, but uh, at the end, we fall to our destruction. That's what it is. Uh, On a more serious note, I I remember uh, another guy that I I knew when I was younger. Um, He claimed to be a Christian. He went to his church youth group he attended Bible studies. Uh, he even served on the church music team. And I'm not aware of everything, all the circumstances that brought him to this, but eventually he decided, you know what, this Christianity thing I'm done with, I'm out. So he left the faith. Some, a while after that, he told my friend that his life was so good now that he had left the faith. He had felt like a large burden had lifted and he was truly free. And then some years after that, I had heard that he, had, uh, now, he and his wife had divorced, and he was into drugs. This newly found freedom that he thought he had couldn't deliver on his promise. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who leaves the faith is going to experience something like that, but I do believe that anyone who seeks for freedom outside of Christ will eventually find themselves in captivity. Often in this life, certainly in the next. Does it not make sense that the one who created us would, would know what's best for us and know how we can flourish? Do we not operate best when we operate the way that God intended us to operate? Freedom is found in being a disciple of Christ, in knowing the truth, and in belonging to God. We all need to be set free from our enslavement to sin, and that freedom is only found in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for freedom in Christ. We thank you, Lord, for coming and giving yourself on the cross for us to... Purchase our freedom so that we might belong to you. And we can be uh, joyful children that walk in our freedom and show others what it's like to walk in true freedom. And I pray for everyone here. I pray your blessing upon this church that everyone here would be able to experience that freedom and simply trust in you. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.